Hi friends, welcome to another episode of Your Age Is Not Your Cage. Okay, today I'm going to be talking to another dear and precious friend. Her name is Laura Pastor. Laura has quite a story to share with you. I know for a fact you'll want to hear. There is a word that not one of us ever wants to hear, and that's cancer. Laura received a breast cancer diagnosis, something no woman ever wants to hear uttered out of their doctor's mouth. Yet that is what Laura heard. Cancer has affected all of us in some way. It touches us in our own personal diagnosis or the diagnosis of a special friend or family member. So I'm inviting you to join me today in listening to Laura's journey with breast cancer and her determination in overcoming and conquering it in huge, incredible ways. And that's not her only story. There is even more um, that has happened in her life. So stay tuned. Listen to this podcast. Laura is a rock star. She's truly a joy giver and such a gift in my life. And I think she'll be a gift in your life too. You're absolutely gonna love her. I want to share that uh, Laura and I are not medical professionals. We don't pretend to be. This is in no way serves as any type of medical advice. We are just sitting down sharing Laura's story and how it affected her life. This podcast is intended for educational and informational purposes only to help you make your own informed choices, not intended to replace the advice for your medical doctor. So sit back, listen, here we go, enjoy, and get ready for Laura. Hi, friends. I want to introduce you today to a dear friend of mine. Her name is Laura Pastor. And Laura and I met through work about 28 years ago, and we have been friends ever since. Uh, Laura and I were even roommates for a while during what I would say was a very crazy and chaotic time in my life. But thankfully, over the years, we've maintained contact and we've kept up with each other's lives. Laura is wife to Andy. They've been married for many years. Uh, They have three grown adult boys that keep them very busy when they're home for the summer from college. Uh, Laura is also, which she won't tell you often, an amazingly talented singer with the voice of an angel. She teaches piano, and she's also a yoga, meditation, and breath instructor in Austin, Texas. So I want you to help me welcome Laura today to the podcast. Hi, Laura. Hi, Carla. This is so much fun. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. I know. I love having my friends on. It's it's uh, it's just so exciting to be able to share stories that, that I've seen, even when a lot of my friends don't know they have a story to share. And you have quite a story to share. Um, and we will get to that in a second. But right now, we're going to share just a couple quick stories um, about you and I, our friendship, kind of our little bit of our background before we dig into what this podcast is going to be about. I'll let you go first. Okay. So um, I just think it's so fun that we had a working relationship and then we parlayed that into being friends and then yes, roommates. And it was so fun working together because we would both have little crushes at work and it was just always something where we could laugh and make little jokes. And it actually made work so much fun. And then when we decided to be roommates, it was the same thing. We could talk about work, but we had our friendship and we would always laugh and we'd eat together and have a cocktail on the porch. And so I just have such fond memories of us being together and helping each other through the hard times, but also just laughing incessantly. Yeah, we we did a lot of laughing. And, you know, the, the things about that that you mentioned, like having a cocktail together, 
on the porch. Literally, it was one of the, maybe not the healthiest um, times in our <laughs> lives, but it was one of the sweetest times because we literally would come home from work, even though most of the time we worked together, um, we'd come home from work and we would sit on the porch and just have that sweet time together to catch up and share and then just go about our business doing whatever it was that evening, which a lot of times, as I remember, involved salads and popcorn. Exactly. Those were our staples, salad and popcorn. And then for me, I was drinking white Russians, which again, that is not the healthiest drink, but it was delicious. So I had the milk at least, I guess. And (laughs) yes, salads and, and popcorn, and then just laughing. And the other thing that I loved about being roommates is that I was able to raid your closet every day. So if I didn't find an outfit that suited me that day, I'd just go in your closet. You'd be like, sure, wear that. And so it was just so much fun to have twice the amount of clothes I had. I know, right? I need that now. And especially with my daughter off to college, I don't have her (laughs) clothes either. So it's just just mine. And, you know, sunnies don't particularly fit me or are my taste, (laughs) though. I have to stick with my own clothes, but I know I love sharing those sweet memories and stories and just so people get an idea of, of our background and just kind of where it all started and how our lives have evolved now. And we may not see each other all the time or talk to each other all the time, but it's one of those friendships that's forever there. And we always, always know that. And um, it's just something that's so special and something that I love to talk about on here is friendships and community because uh, it's just what has gotten me through. And I know it's gotten you through so much too. Um, So with that said, let's jump into your story and talk about why, why you're on here today. Um, So if you could share with everyone a little bit about your just background about your life and your health before you had a diagnosis, which I will let you share what that diagnosis was. Okay, sure. So I have been an avid runner since I was nine years old, literally run all my life, almost every day, and always eaten well obviously drank like everyone else in college or after, but had a very healthy diet, had good sleep hygiene, et cetera. And so never even thought about cancer, literally never even thought about it. It doesn't run in my family. And um, again, I've always felt like I had a very healthy lifestyle. And so in October of 2019, I felt something, a little lump on the side of my left breast. And I was not great at doing self-checks. So I feel like this is intuition. I felt something and I thought, hmm, that's interesting. But I wasn't concerned about it because again, I didn't think twice about me ever having cancer. So I was due for my yearly. So I thought, well, this is perfect. I'll just go in for my yearly and then of course address it with my doctor. So I did just that. And When I showed him and he felt it, he thought, no, I really don't think this is cancer, which was great. So that helped me. But of course, he did say, you do need to get your mammogram and then we'll go from there. So I got the mammogram. And after that, it was suspicious. So I then went in for a biopsy and the biopsy was quick and easy and Literally the next day I was driving in the car and the surgeon called me who I had no relationship with at all. And he called me and he said, Miss Pastor, are you sitting down? And I said, yes, because I was driving. And he said, okay, I want to let you know you have a tumor and it needs to be taken out immediately. So would you like me to pass you to the scheduler? I was like, wow. wow. Okay. So um, I said, no, I need to think about this and talk with my husband. I will get back with you. And I proceeded to drive home and I didn't even call Andy yet because my, I was just kind of dizzy. And um, so I worked out and you of all people get that, Mm -hmm. like just to get that energy out. And so I worked out and just waited for Andy to get home. And at that point I shared the news with him. Mm. You know, I just back up to um, 
in in the process of the biopsy and all that. Mm-hmm. Did you ever, were you fearful? Did you have thoughts of, wow, is this cancer? I mean, do I really possibly have cancer? What, like, where was your, your thought process at with all of it? So what's interesting is I really didn't think I did have cancer, even getting the biopsy. And even for the few moments that I thought, what if I do? Carla, this may sound weird, but I wasn't scared. Yeah. I I guess it's just, it comes back to that whole thing. You don't know what you don't know. And I literally, I mean, I understand. And of course, fully know cancer does not discriminate, but I really did not feel like I had it. And again, if I did, I, I was not fearful. No. Yeah. And that's good because that's kind of when I go into a situation, it's, it's, you have those thoughts that might come in your head, but then it's like, you know what, until I know I am not going to make this something that just worries me and makes me crazy in the meantime, I'm going to just keep moving forward, think positive and believe that it's not. And then if it does come back differently, then I'll address it then. And I I know that's how you are too. And very much so. Tell me how it was when when you told Andy and I mean your family and um, I just can't imagine those moments. Yeah. So I told Andy when he got home, just so we'd be face to face. And Andy and I have an uncanny ability, like you and I do, to laugh about things that are really inappropriate. And I'm not kidding that that memory of the night is indelible for me. We laughed so hard. So I think that we just kept thinking really horrible thoughts and we just start laughing like almost till we started crying. And then at one point I said, oh, my gosh, what if I end up being bald? And he was like, you're not. And I go, but what if I am? And I had a plethora of wigs in my drawers because I always love dressing up for Halloween. So he was like, go put on one of your wigs. Let's see how this is going to go. So I went in there, came back with the wig. And then I was like, okay, but wait a minute. If I'm bald, it's not going to be this wig. And so I just took off the wig and had the little, it's like a pantyhose thing you wear on your yeah. head to keep your hair in. And, and so I literally looked like a cone head and we were just dying laughing. So Carla, really from the beginning, we had so many laughs. And I think, or I know that's what helped us get through it yeah. because we kept just breaking out with laughs. Even when yeah. things were, maybe they could be scary or they could be awful. We'd just start laughing. We'd just think of the funniest thing in that situation, even if it was inappropriate and start laughing. Laughter can be so therapeutic, you know, and sometimes yeah. it does. It just, sometimes it is what is the coping mechanism and what helps you push through and, and, and get past that point. So, okay. So let's, so now take us from this point and, um, kind of walk us through briefly of what it looked like then from there, uh, once the diagnosis, then what happened from there and walk us through, through that process. Sure. So that kind of goes pretty swiftly because with my diagnosis, I had an aggressive kind of breast cancer. It's triple negative, And it had spread to three of my lymph nodes. So I had to be aggressive with my approach, which would entail chemo, radiation, surgery. And so quickly, I was thrust into learning about chemo and how all of that would go. And then, of course, after that, it was the radiation and then the surgery. So each component of that was different with the chemo. What's interesting is we all hear such horrible things about chemo and everyone is so different. For me, my worst symptom was I was extremely tired, fatigued, and I've run marathons and have heard of fatigue at the end of marathons. It is nothing like this. Just, just so, so, so tired, so exhausted. I was so fortunate. I did not throw up ever. So I was Mm. really lucky, but that fatigue was real. And so 
going through the chemo on a daily basis, I would set little goals for myself. And I'd say, look, if I can just walk up the hill once today, that's great. And I had little rocks that I'd put at the top of my hill, just showing myself how many times could I walk up each day? So it would just be a little game that I would play. And that really helped me make it through. That's and such a, such a beautiful way to, to, to look at it each day and set a little goal for yourself because it's those little actionable steps, those little baby steps, whatever it is. And it's so much too goes hand in hand with, I teach in my coaching and it's, it's, it's every little step you take is a step forward in learning. And I love that you did that. And I've had the pleasure of walking your hill with you and putting the rock down, which was just so cool when you yeah. shared with me what it was about. And I can say your hill is not for wimps. It is, it's a good <laughs> hill. So I made you talk during the hills because it was hard for me to talk. But I mean, I love, I love that, that you had that, that helped you get through your days. And so how long was the process from diagnosis to the end of chemo? Now, and I know you were in the 2019, 2020. So some things came up during COVID too. Um, So maybe explain, you know, what, what the journey looked like, how long it was and how it kind of changed a little bit as I remember um, because of what was going on with all that. Yeah, definitely it changed because of COVID. So chemo for me was almost six months. And how it changed is yes, COVID entered the picture. And so chemo was the situation where people would be able to show up and have lunch with someone who was getting chemo because chemo can last anywhere from two hours to four or five hours. It just depends. And so friends or family would be able to show up prior to COVID. And then COVID stopped that immediately. So friends and family were not able to show up um, for some of it. Andy was able to still come and be with me. And so he would just be my wingman during that. And the interesting thing is because I'm such an introvert, I actually didn't want or need a lot of people around when I was going through it anyway, just because I process things more quietly. And so this may sound weird, but for me, it was actually interesting and fulfilling for me to look around and watch and see all the other people going through it and just kind of feel them at my heart and think, we're all in this together. And again, how it doesn't discriminate. There were young people in there so much younger than me. And then, of course, there were very old people in there and people that looked like they were amazing athletes and the opposite. And so just my ability to mind wander and just think about that and try to connect with them on a different level. It actually, I know this sounds weird, but I i, I have kind of fond memories of chemo because of that, because I know you know this, but connection is everything. And I really mm-hmm. did feel connected to other people that were going through the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't sound weird at all because that was, I, I feel like that was your time to just take it in and to get to the place where you needed to be. And and depending on people's personalities, that's not always someone sitting there just chatting with them the whole time. And you, it's not strange to think that you had these, have these memories now of it not being this horrible thing because you had that, that peace in you as you sat there and you looked around and you connected with other people. So Um, I don't find that strange at all. I find it beautiful. And so how did the radiation come after chemo or while you were doing chemo? Yes. So after I finished chemo was radiation and radiation is nothing compared to chemo. Thank God. The side effects were very slight. I mean, certainly I got a little burned at times. So that hurt my skin just a little bit uncomfortable. But again, in comparison, it was close to nothing. And I never was able to have anyone come in with me. So I just always went by myself. And 
we would sit there, you know, all the other people going through radiations in our little white, very thin paper gowns and with our masks on. And that felt weird because we'd try to talk to each other. And again, the masks were all very new for us and it just felt so um, distracting. And I'll never forget one point I had communicated with this other patient for, I don't know, at least a month, almost every day, because it was Monday through Friday. And at one point we were talking and then she lowered her mask after a month. And Carla, I felt like there was a rainbow that arrived, like mm. just seeing her face. It That memory is indelible to me. Just talk about connection. I just felt such a deep appreciation for what we had gone through and then her lowering her mask. I will never forget that. Yeah. To see people's expressions and yes. it's just so important and yes. it just makes such a difference. And sometimes when that mask is lowered, it's just completely different from what you even thought. Exactly. And, um, so how long was radiation and how many days a week? So radiation was Monday through Friday for six weeks. So that was, again, very easy compared to chemo. And then after that was the surgery, which, again, COVID entered the picture because the night, well, I had planned on getting a double mastectomy just to take care of everything, just thinking, all right, I'll just get them both taken out. And that way I'll be fine. I'll be clear. And the night before my surgery, my surgeon called and said, because of the new COVID protocols, you cannot get a double mastectomy because you just have the cancer in one breast. So we can take one out and then you'll have to wait until all of this dies down. And then at some point you can get the other one taken out. Oh, that's that crazy. Was just crazy news. And so I thought about it for literally a minute and I said, well, I don't want to do that. Um, and I talked with my surgeon and oncologist, and they both agreed that a lumpectomy would suffice because of the chemo and radiation. I had almost gotten rid of the whole tumor. And so it was just a tiny tumor at this point that they would be able to take it all out with a lumpectomy as opposed to mastectomy. So that is what I ended up doing. And what year? So was that 2020 then? Correct. You got it. 2020. Yes. Okay. Yep. And so I remember when you um, rang the bell and what date was that? Oh, that is such a good question that you're asking me the date. I'm so sorry. I don't know <laughs> the date. Okay. I have that picture in my mind because it was everything. I Just remember so, you sent, so, you sent me that. And I mean, yep. that would have still been 2020 though. Oh, of course. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. It was that summer. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah. And that ringing the bell is, um, if people aren't familiar with it, once you finish the process and you're cancer free, you get to ring the bell, correct? Yes. And yeah. you feel like a kindergartner, like it is yeah. so incredibly exciting to ring the bell and it is equally as exciting to watch others ring the bell. It yeah. is, I mean, I teared up every time because you feel their excitement. So yes, yeah. it was amazing. Well, and it's so exciting. I mean, I know from experience too, from just going through kidney donation, we got to ring the bell also for Tammy leaving the hospital um, with a new um, fresh kidney. And the excitement of the staff and the tears we saw um, is just overwhelming too. Um, it, it is, it's such a, a freeing, it's a big deal. And I love that it's celebrated. I um, agree with you. Yes. And so when I okay. watched you and Tammy, I was the same way. I felt like I was going through it with you too. It's just, yeah. it is so beautiful. It is. It's such a sweet experience and it's definitely something I'll never forget. Um, Absolutely. Okay. So let's move on and talk about the ways that you found that helped you get through this, that you would like to tell others that you feel like you could tell others, which I feel like laughing is going to be one of them. Yep. Um, and what are some of the things you learned after going through this that you wish you had known before that you want others to know so that they can, you know, if, if it's something that would help them that they can also um, learn from it 
at, at yes. going forward if they or someone they know is ever diagnosed with cancer? Absolutely. So, of course, first and foremost, it is laughter. And so saying that, it may sound pretty simple, but if someone is going through it, if they can think about how could this be funny? And usually in a scenario, things can be funny. And so it may be a conscious effort at the beginning. How could this be funny? Um, and then just your mind starts to think that way. So yes, first and foremost, laughter. Secondly, Caring Bridge. I am such a fan of Caring Bridge. Caring Bridge is a site that is free. And I've never been on social media. Um, I just am my philosophy is always, if someone's going to know me, they're just going to know me in person. And that has always worked for me. However, in this situation, it is extremely difficult to get all of the updates to friends and family. And so I was able to get on Caring Bridge and Carla, it was such a lifesaver. So I highly recommend it to anybody because you can post updates every day, every a few times a day, whatever. And everyone is able to keep updated on all the things that are going on. And for me, it was interesting because I kept getting feedback that, wow, you need to write a book. Some people would really benefit from this. And I didn't take much credence in it for a while, but then people kept saying it. And so that was one of the things I ended up doing. I decided maybe three-fourths of the way through my journey that I really wanted to write a book. And so I asked a few friends that were going through it with me if they would be interested in joining. And they were. And so it took a really long time, but that was another thing we did to hopefully help people that are going through the same thing to share funny stories, sad stories, et cetera. Just basically the same thing you're doing with the podcast, just yeah. to try to help people with, uh, everything that they're going through. Is so, that um, something that people can get yet or? Um, unfortunately not because it was hard enough to find an editor. So that took two years. And so it's been edited, but it is now a manuscript, which what that means is sure it's ready, but it has not been published. So hopefully at some point I'll be able to do that. But right now I just have the manuscript. Okay. So, well, we, we'll but, have to again. We'll have to give an update when that does finally yeah, um, surface. You. And you and I will definitely have to talk about the book stuff because Tammy and I have also been told the same thing. And when I've shared our full story, uh, people will be like, you've got to write a book. This would help yeah. so many people. And it's literally nothing that's ever been a thought. And I'm like, exactly. okay, well, I'm going to put that one out there and um just uh, pray about it and see what happens. Yes. And if it comes to fruition, then we'll do that. So we may have to chat about that. I and love that. And I did want to say on the Caring Bridge, it is, I, I hate to say that I've had way too many people that I've had to follow on Caring Bridge. Um, but every time it's been such a gift to be able to follow and sometimes get pictures. And because we all know it's so hard in any situation to keep people up to date. So it is yes. such a great way just to let everybody know because people want to know and exactly. people want to be there and they, and they want to help in any way they can. And that makes me think of something that um, I want to ask you. And that is even going through the stuff that with the kidney donation, a common question is, how can I help? What can I do? And in your situation, and I, I, I remember thinking, gosh, what could I do to help Laura? And I thought, well, I would love to get like a blanket and a coffee cup. And, you know, so I say the things that I would like. And I think through this process of what I've gone through, my thing is, I would almost like people to ask, um, I'm going to help you. Here's some ideas. Which of these is what you really need? Where people, instead of how can I help? Because if you're like us, for one, it's hard to ask for help. And it's hard to just express kind of what you might need. But if someone said, um, 
do you, I, I want to do this, 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 or this, what would be most helpful to you right now? That's yeah. kind of my thoughts. What about you? Well, first of all, I loved your gifts because they were so caring. And I remember the plethora of, I just, it was like in a basket or something, but I of course remember the beautiful blanket and it had caring words on it. I will never forget that. So there's something to be said for just getting a very heartfelt gift. However, I do love your idea of saying, I want to help. And these are a few ideas I have. That's amazing. I love that. And, you know, in that vein, there are things that people can do that maybe we wouldn't have even known we would have liked. Like, for instance, the Andy's partner's wives had a necklace made for me and it said warrior. And I'm just telling you on a daily basis, I am never going to wear a necklace that says warrior. That to me is so weird. However, when I was going through cancer, Carla, I wore that every day Mm -hmm. and I actually felt so empowered by it. I just felt their love around my neck. I never took it off. And since then, because it's such a beautiful necklace, and as I said, I'm not going to wear that now because I'm past it, I have decided to let friends going through what I went through, wear it and kind of like that sisterhood traveling pants type thing where they can wear it. And so they can feel amazing just that they're a warrior. They're making it through this and then we can pass it to someone else who needs it. So I love that. That's that paying it forward. And yes, yeah, I love that. Yes. But I do love your idea of somebody just asking, what would you like? What would you need? And in that vein, you probably remember on caring bridge, They also have a component where you can sign up to bring meals. And so we did have that. And that was very helpful because, um, you know, just having boys at home and Andy eats a lot. So that was very nice that two or three times a week, I did not cook. Yeah. Um, Okay. So let me ask you, um, what are some of the experiences that maybe surprised you um, during this time? Like, is there anything that was, you didn't expect or was surprising to you in any way? Well, of course the laughs, like I, if you ever said, you know, you're going to have cancer, I I wouldn't have thought I was going to laugh so much. So that, that was interesting. And I think in that vein, my ability to turn things around, like, uh, you know, for instance, this may be a little bit oversharing, but I'm going to do it. I was at the store one day and it was when I was on chemo and the chemo does very interesting things to our bodies in that sometimes you literally cannot feel yourself going to the bathroom. And so I was at the store and I'm walking around and I'm picking out vegetables and all of a sudden I'm like, what's that smell? And I'm like, no, no, no. What's that? No, no. And I finally realized that smell was me. So I had a choice at that point to continue at the store or to run to my car. And so I'm not a quitter. I continued at the store, made it out to my car. And when I got in my car, I called one of my friends who was also going through chemo. And Carla, we were cry laughing so hard. I was like, I cannot believe that just happened. But my point in all that is that that surprised me. That surprised me because that is such a an unusual situation. I, of course, have never had an accident in public before, let alone for my natural response to start laughing and to call a friend who was going through it. Mm, so again, that's incredible. And that you push just, through. Yeah. You know, exactly. you just push through it. And yep. I mean, what an encouragement to others to um and, and to laugh it off because I had no yeah. idea chemo could do those kind of things to you. So what yes. a great thing for people to know yes. um, that that could happen. Absolutely. It is um, It is very interesting and humbling, the things yeah. that can happen. And again, our minds are powerful. And if we can look at it like that is hysterical. I can't believe that just happened. That's funny. Yeah. That just is not going to yeah. happen to us in our daily lives. Thank God. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, I know. So true. Um, 
Okay, so kind of segueing into, because there's still so much more to your story, segueing into what what came next after, I don't know, a couple years, maybe a year or so, and you, yeah. you started learning about integrative health. Um, and so tell me what that has looked like. What have you learned? What, what caused you to learn more about this? And then some of the changes that you've made since you have been seeing an integrative health practitioner. Sure. So basically, one of the biggest things I learned throughout my process is, and if anybody's listening and they are going through it, is if they can see an integrative slash holistic person while they're going through cancer, that would be very helpful because of course, all of that really, the you know, the chemo, radiation, et cetera, all really messed with my system. And so after I was finished and I started feeling better, then I started having severe stomach issues and I had not ever had them before. And I had five bouts of, it's called diverticulitis, and I had five in a row. And so what that means is it's excruciating pain, first of all. And then what the doctor does, which was a gastroenterologist, he just put me on meds right away. And so having antibiotics five times in a row is horrible for the system. So after that fifth time, he actually asked me to see a surgeon and he wanted to take out part of my colon. And at that point, Carla, I was like, I'm not doing this. And so a very good friend had told me about an integrative practitioner. And it, of course, was very amazing timing because I had just learned about her. And so I reached out immediately and started talking with her and realized this is exactly what I need to do. I said, well, have you worked with people who have had diverticulitis? She said, yes. And so that was my biggest reason to start seeing her because I did not want to get some of my colon taken out. And so I started seeing her and learned so, so much and went through numerous tests, just noticing I had mold and um, I had different parasites in my body and so many things I needed to, as she said, clean up. And so that process, I'm actually still in, but it's been amazing. And it's just step by step that, you know, it's just like walking up that hill because it could be overwhelming, but just take it step by step. And um, so what that means, so many things in my life has changed, like lifestyle. Um, it caused me to omit some things from my diet because I was being challenged by some of the foods I was eating, which I didn't know, but I learned with some of the tests. I love that and term. You were being challenged. By some of the foods you're eating, because isn't that's what it is? It's it's yes. challenging your system. Yes, um, I love that. I haven't heard that term, so I'm going to remember that one. Okay, thank you. So that is one of the things I changed. Of course, the um, diet and things I was drinking, and then of course I started taking supplements. And Carla, I've never taken a supplement in my life, so that was new. And there have been times in the past year that I've taken 20 to 30. And that of course may sound really excessive, but they're all to help me clean up my system and they've all really helped. So it's just been incredible, the process and learning all of these things with Erica, which is who I've been working with. And so I'm really grateful that there is an integrative way so that again, I didn't have to have my colon out. So the good news here is that, as I said, I had diverticulitis. I call it five times in a row. And now after seeing her, I haven't had it. And it's been over a year. Haven't oh had it. Oh my gosh. That is so, so thank you. I'm very wonderful. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. wonderful. And I still remember when you and I met for coffee and you were first starting to see her yes. and you were talking about, oh my gosh, I'm taking all these supplements and, yeah. you know, and I mean, it was a whole different world for you, but I was so excited yes. for you because I truly did believe that this was just another step forward for you to just, I mean, even more improved health and, and going forward. And I mean, taking out your part of your colon is 
that's no small thing. And it's something, you know, then you're dealing with that for the rest of your life and then scar tissue. Um, So how amazing that she did come along at the right time. And if, if you want to, um, we can share her info in the show notes. Um, That would be, yeah, yeah, I, I would love to share that if, if she's okay with that. Um, and maybe I'll share a couple other things just on integrative health for a lot of people that don't know what that is. If you have a quick description yes. of it, share. Otherwise, we'll just put something in the show notes. Of course, you can add in the show notes. But to me, it's just so much more about Eastern versus Western. And we've just been all raised so much with Western, which, again, is just throwing antibiotics at a problem. And Eastern is so much more and holistic is more how can we help with diet? How can we help with sleep? How can we help with exercise? And even things that I didn't know, like I've taken Tums every night for like decades, actually. In fact, I'll never forget. My sister-in-law told me decades ago, oh, they're so good for you. You should take a few every night. It's calcium. It's extra calcium. So I did. And so there were times when I take five to seven Tums every night. Well, that is not a great practice to have, but I didn't know that. Yeah. So I learned that from Erica. Oh, and another thing, I also took Miralax every day to help me go to the bathroom. And that's another thing I I actually learned from a friend who her doctor prescribed Miralax to her son. And he said specifically he could have it every day. Well, that was her son. So clearly I can have it every day. So again, these are things that I learned are not great practices for me. And right. so I have omitted those things and instead have taken on natural ways to help and heal my body. So yeah. I am such a fan. Well, and I am too. And, you know, it's the difference to me is that it's getting to the root cause. It's looking exactly. at the, the symptoms and addressing those to what is causing that issue where Western medicine, and I have nothing against Western medicine. There's a place for that too, for sure. Um, But so much of it, they're taught to what medicine can I prescribe for this? What, and to me, it's band-aids, band-aids instead of getting to the issue. And just like with you, you know, it's, it's, people researching. And as I always say, becoming their own best health advocate, you know, look up Tom's and what's in it and what it could do to you look up Miralax and I, you won't like what's in it and what it can do. And you know, know there are so many holistic alternatives that um, magnesium, you know, for instead of Miralax, there's so many things. So, and of course, these are all our own experiences. And we only say these, we are not medical doctors or anything. This is just our experience. And um, I I too have found that integrative, holistic, functional medicine is definitely the route that I choose also to get to the root issues um, and and find out what's causing what's going on. So, I love that. And I love that for you, that you found that. Um, Okay. One more um, thing that you is pretty big in your life too, that we want to talk about is um, you had breast implants and you just had those removed and explanted. Tell us what led you to do that. And this was recent. You just had this done not long ago. So tell us what led you to do that and what, what, have you seen any differences since you've done that? Yes. So this also goes back to Erica, honestly, kind of at the beginning of me seeing her, she said, have you ever thought about getting your implants taken out? And I said, not really. And I'm probably not going to, because I've been so used to them because mine are 25 years old. And so I've just become very accustomed to having breasts because I was very flat before that. And so it just made me feel feminine. So again, she said that at the beginning of our time together, and then fast forward a year when I kept learning and kept growing through this process. And then at one point I was really close to being ready. And then of course I talked to your darling friend, Didi, and I talked to a couple other friends, friends who had explants And I met with the surgeon and realized this is what I need to do. And 
Carla, I just got to a point where I was like, I'm doing this as soon as possible. And I did not look back. I felt so assured by my decision. And it's been that way ever since I got them taken out on April 11th. And I have not looked back for one second. I am so grateful I got them taken out. I felt better immediately. Here, this is a surgery. And so I should have been in bed in pain thinking, you know, when's this pain going to subside? And it was the opposite. I, I literally walked the next day, walked up my hill. I started feeling better very quickly. And when I say feeling better, I felt a lightness in my body. And of course you could think of that physically, but it was more just, um, a lightness all around. I just felt free. And I also felt a lot, if not all of the brain fog disappear. I had a lot of brain fog before, and I had told Erica about this from the beginning when I started working with her and that almost completely dissipated. I mean, once in a while it'll come back, but barely. So I'm very grateful about that. And also I've already talked to you about my digestion that also started improving even more, even though I've cleaned up a lot in the past year, but that started improving more too from my surgery. So I feel like pretty big things have happened since the surgery. I feel so good physically, mentally, everything I'm so grateful for. I went to Dr. Whitfield. He was a great surgeon. He really cares about what he does. He tests the implants, which I really respect. And mine had not ruptured. However, they did have some extra, for lack of better words, funk on them, you know, mold, extra toxins that that was in my body. And so I'm mm. so grateful I have all of that out now. Wow. And again, on him, we can also include his information in the show notes. And Great. Um, you had mentioned um, my sweet friend, Didi, who had hers explanted five years ago. And mm-hmm. um, I will link that also because she was on the podcast discussing that Perfect. too. And, um, and just the changes that she has felt um, in her body also since then. So I love hearing your story too. And I mean, this journey you've been on has just been incredible. And I have to say that when I first, um, when I first asked you to be on here, what did you tell me? Do you remember? (laughs) Well, of course, I just said, I just don't think I have a story. (laughs) I'm like, you girl, I was like, (laughs) listing out all the things. I'm like, you have a story and you have a story to share that can help other women. And even if this just helps one person, I mean, how, how beautiful is that, that just from what you shared in your story helps someone out there. And so you definitely have a story to share. And it's like I say, everybody has some story that could help someone else. And I mean, I know that would be your heart's desire to to help someone else down the road, just like you pay it forward with your necklace. I know that that your desire also in writing your book is to help others um, and to know that there's hope in this journey um, and that they can overcome cancer and they can overcome it. Uh, things with their health and and seek out alternative options. And I see many ways that you probably have spoke life into someone else. And I just love it. Um, so I want to finish with a, um, a couple quick things is tell me um, if you can, in just a, a quick um, summary of how do you feel like your whole life, your nutrition, your health, maybe your mindset over all this, how has that changed you going forward? Well, gosh, it's it's changed me so much just because I feel like, number one, I have more compassion. This may be the biggest one, Carla. Um, I don't know if you remember, but I literally was never sick. And so, you know, my whole life- I do remember. And so um, my level of empathy was zero because I, in fact, I kind of looked at people like, why is she always sick? And I'm embarrassed to say that, but that is the truth. And so clearly this has allowed me to be so incredibly compassionate and understanding and empathetic when people are sick. And that's really helped, really, really helped me. So I'm so grateful for that. 
that wouldn't have been possible if I would not have gone through this. Mm. And so that has changed very, very much. And also, of course, just learning about the integrative aspect of life. I didn't know any of this before going through cancer. So I feel like my whole life has changed for so many reasons. Mm, I love that. Um, Okay. So let me think if there's anything else I want to ask you. Um, I think, is there anything I didn't ask you that you want to share before I ask you my last question? Did I miss anything you want to share? I really can't think of anything. You were very thorough. So no. Okay. Um, then I'm going to ask you, since this is called your age is not your cage. What do you feel like in your life that you're doing that reflects? Cause Laura is tell your age. 55, 55, 55 and a half, 55. And a half. <laughs> so Laura's 55 and a half. So what are you doing at your age right now that you feel like could inspire others that is not holding you back, that your age is not your cage? Share anything. Okay, sure. Um, So that is, I teach four to six times a week and I love what I do. So just like with your coaching, I know how much you love it. I love what I do. I get so much joy from being able to teach yoga, meditation, and breath. And in that vein, because I've taught all of these modalities, I have learned more about them too. And so now I'm even more passionate about all of them. So I feel like so many people are kind of winding down at this age and I feel the opposite. I want to keep working because I love it so much. And I also love teaching piano because I see my students and how excited they are and how much they're growing. And so that just fills me. So for me, working is vital because I love what I do. And then also just like you moving every day, like that is just a no brainer moving first time the, or excuse me, first thing in the morning. And then sometimes at night, a lot of times I'll have, um, I call it, I've always called it a get, get a second wind. And for me, getting a second wind is not taking a nap or having some sugar. It is moving my body again, whether it's practicing yoga or going on a walk or slight run or whatever. So I feel like age is not holding me back at all. I love what I do and I love to be able to move. And I feel so grateful for that. Mm, That's such a perfect way to end it. And I love that you said that this is not the time to wind down because that is so what I preach. I'm like, this isn't when you slow down and stop doing things. This is when you move your body and almost pick up the pace and right. go find those things like you have in your life right now, the things you love, the things that cause you to just really want to do them and go after it with passion. And, and that's what you're doing. And I love it. And I just think you are such a gift and an encouragement and an inspiration to so many out there. And I just love you so much. And I'm so glad you were on here with me. Thank you. I love you so much. And you're the one that started this. So really, you're the one that's inspiring all these people. I'm so grateful you even asked me to be a part of it. And everyone is going to glean so much from all of these episodes that you're doing. So thank you for that. Oh, oh, thank you. Okay. Well, so just remember everyone listening that your age is not your cage And I hope that you are as inspired by Laura's story as I know I am. And um, we're going to sign off now. I will see you on the next episode. Thanks so much for listening in. Bye.